Grab a seat, boy. Grab yourself an egg roll. We got everything here from a little eye Joe to damn if I know. You are now listening to the Nerd Words Podcast. Brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Get those nerds! 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 I personally like the concept of those who were fat were always viewed as the most wealthy, the most well-to-do. I think those are the most confident are always seen as the most wealthy and the most well-to-do. And if you happen to be fat, it's probably because with confidence you took your food when you were starving from other people. And, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about it? You're just going to complain about it or, you know, you deal. Charge my phone. I'm also one of those people baffled by the term fat shaming. I don't, I don't really, there's, there's so many different like physical types of bodies. Like where exactly do you decide like who is fat and who is not? Like if you have a little gut, are you fat? Or if you're like a giant balloon person, are I've you fat? I've recently like, taken a turn and have become hypercritical, hypercritical. Of people who consider themselves beautiful that have bad hygiene habits. Yeah. For instance, if you were a bony, but you're a smoker, uh-huh. that's not attractive. It's wow. not attractive at all because nine times out of ten, that person, their whole image they're trying to cultivate. You know smoking prolong over time. Yeah. Right? And people don't realize it. Maybe when you were, I heard you use the phrase cool crowd, not to blanket you, but that term. Yeah, when cool, I was a kid, yeah. The was, cool kids, yeah. you know. Or that people just smoke because it was a social thing to do and whatever, and a lot of people did it. Majority did it. That's changed, you know, and because it's changed, it's now you're the the odd man out, or we're the odd man out. Because congratulations on how many days now? Uh, today is day six. Yeah, and I I think you're adjusting well. Day six. With I think that you're one. adjusting really good. I just got my robot penis, and that's it. And the the best part was yesterday when I was around smokers for fucking three hours, four hours. Yeah. And just was like, man, no big deal. It's fucking awesome, man. Even went out, and, you know, I, I got my little e cig and. You know, take a couple little puffs and let them smoke. It's here. Here's the weird thing that I've noticed. Like I've been smoking since I was like habitually smoking since I was 14 years old. Right. So I've been smoking longer than I wasn't smoking, <laughs> and it's it's weird now having like six days is like a fucking eternity. Yeah. When yeah. you go that long smoking, and and I was a heavy smoker, and it's weird. Like the moment that someone lights up a cigarette, it's like that. There's an aroma. That hits me, and it's like the greatest smell ever. It's like, oh. But then immediately after that, when someone's smoking, I can smell the cigarette, and it doesn't smell good. It's weird how it does. It's just like, blessed lighting of the cigarette. Ugh, it fucking stinks. You know what I mean? Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and then like you can smell it on other people, and it's a smell that I'm used to because, you know, to a certain degree as a smoker, I've, I've, I've smelled it my whole life. But I've been smelling it because it's been concentrated on my clothes, right. you know, on all my shit. My parents have smoked for, you know, 30, 40 years. My whole life they've smoked. So it's always like a smell that I smelled, but right. it didn't really, I was just like, eh, doesn't really bother me. But like now smelling it without it being kind of like on me at all times, like I go into my car and I'm like, man, my fucking car stinks. <laughs> you know, I walk into my room and I'm like, fuck, I need to like scrub everything because that smell even if you're not smoking in it i was smoking like a motherfucker in my car but even if you're not smoking in a place when you smoke it permeates all your clothes right it permeates all your belongings you know so when when someone who's never smoked like i kind of get a better understanding now because they've never 
smelled that. It's just, they smell you and it's not a pleasant smell. It's not even like as pleasant as a campfire. Right. It just smells fucking awful. And to, and to tie it off, the, I was raised by, you know, mainly women and right. only women actually for my whole life. And they always smoked, chain smoked in the house, heavy smokers, whatever. It's what yeah. they did. And I never cared one way or the other. You know, they always encouraged me not to and blah, blah, blah. Bad habit, don't start, blah, blah, blah. And you didn't, which is cool. And you're right. And then you see other friends do it and what have you. And it's like, whatever, it's not me. And one thing I realized, though, it's not it's not that they smoked. I figured, do what you're going to do. Honestly, whether you're an alcoholic, crackhead, smoker, whatever, it doesn't bother me that you choose to do that. Right. It's your choice. You choose to do it, but no, it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know. So back to the fat shaming. When I see somebody who decides that they're going to get healthy, they're going to do all this stuff to, to you know take care of it, but then they're lighting up a cigarette. Yeah. I know, be in the shadow of a doubt, something's going to go south here. <laughs> because if you right. can't realize that the one fundamental thing, and it's not, I don't mean it in a bad way, but it's like an observation. You know, yeah. one of the things impacting your health more than anything else has got to be your breath, I, I, breathing. I, I really think that if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna decide to get into improvement of your body, and you smoke, that that should be even if you're not gonna decide to get into improvement of your body, like smoking should be the first thing that you try to quit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before if you, I, I feel like if you have the wherewithal, and and let's be totally honest, I'm still getting nicotine. I'm using this e-cigarette, and for all I know, it could be just as bad, but. I feel like, okay, now I'm kind of limiting that bad shit to me. Right. Because I feel like when you smoke, it's not just harmful to you. It's harmful to the people around you that don't smoke. And you, that's that's one of those things that most people don't give a shit about or don't believe. And if it's, if it's bad for you and it leaves this lasting aroma, it leaves this odor over everything and it permeates everything that you do, how can it be good? Right. And also frequency is another thing mm-hmm. because well I'm probably getting m- maybe more nicotine from from this uh e-cig. I I'm I'm using it less than I was smoking. Right. You use the terminology, take a couple and you're good. Right. A couple puffs. You know, a couple done. little puffs and you know, half hour hour later take, you know, a couple little more puffs. It's it's more like it's more like okay, I kind of need that nicotine. I'm getting a little jittery or something or or I want to like, you know, relax whatever. Right. But it's not like with smoking, like I was basically a chain smoker. So, but you've said it's the social ramifications that are the hardest part. Yeah, about there, it. There, there's definitely a social aspect to it. It's, and that's what you're choking out. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, literally grabbing it and like, fuck that. I'm not right. doing it. Right. And that's what's impressive. Like the nicotine thing, I really feel that's, that's a thing. Yes, it's an addiction, but in comparison, that's the minor half of the right. major. To, to me, it's, it's, it's like, it's like caffeine, you yeah. know, like nicotine in its base form. You know, it ups your brain's activity. It gets you fuck. It gets shit moving. It gets you. It's it's a it's a stimulant, and it's not a cocaine. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. And it's not a fucking meth. So whatever the nicotine part, I'm not super concerned about. You know, just like I'm not super concerned about drinking coffee. You know, getting some caffeine, but all the other shit. If you're lighting something on fire <laughs> and you're sucking a like a bunch of leaves into your throat. There's probably going to be some negative side effects to that. And really, at the end of the day, it comes down to it's being a slave to, to cigarettes, which is really what you are when you're addicted to them. It's why why give yourself and, and it's fucking expensive. Yeah. So we're talking like, you know, the, the cost of, of cigarettes every day or every other day. I'm going to the store and I'm spending 14, 15 bucks 
a pop. And so if, if I do that four times a week or five times a week, how much fucking money am I spending just on something that I'm literally burning up? (laughs) You know, it's like, I, it it would be the same effect to me as taking that money and just lighting it on fire and right. Because I'm getting about as much satisfaction out of it. Right. You know, so I'm definitely legit about, um, about doing it. And then eventually, you know, once I, uh, I'm, I'm, this comes with like different milligram amounts of nicotine and I'm just going to try to like slowly drop those amounts down until it's, you know, basically nothing. And then at that point, you know, just get on with my life as a normal human being. But I think the most important thing for me was just get the fucking cigarettes out. I'm very apt to fucking backslide if I have readily available, like, Oh, well it's okay if I do it just once. No. Right. One time is all it takes. I, I definitely come from a very addictive personality. A crackhead shouldn't try to get healthy in a crack house. Right, exactly. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> Don't get the habit there. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of like going from heroin to methadone, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, they don't ever just make heroin addicts quit cold turkey. Not that I'm making a comparison to myself and someone who's addicted to heroin. Clearly, that's a way worse right. fucking situation. Well, it's, but it's dead similar. Habit's habit. Yeah. You know, it's like case in point to tie it back a little bit. And just what I started saying. Yeah, heroin addicts get some joy out of doing heroin, I'm sure. Right. Even people like <laughs> right. But it's just like people who get who are who are big, who eat. Yeah. Who are fat. You know what I mean? This this fat shaming to me, why it's ridiculous is because if a person enjoys eating a burger and you're suffering eating a salad, let me add this. If you like eating a salad, why would you care what food someone else is eating? Yeah. You know, well, I, unless I, it's unless it's from a moral perspective, I can kind of understand that. You know, if you're you're with your vegetarian, like if you're a oh, vegan, okay, okay. you know, if you're like that's a whole other topic. Right. Well, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that. that some other time. Right. But but I, I agree with you. Uh, if look, if you're if you are if you're fat, you're overweight, and you're depressed about it, then you should try to reel it in and do something about it. It's the same thing when we see you know some of our fitter friends like like Sean John. You know, he was already skinny. And then he was, I mean, really skinny. He was like, "Oh man, I'm fat. I'm gonna." And now he tears up in a treadmill with his girlfriend Ray. Yeah, and because and because he he he's losing that definition he's used to having because of youth and. And now he has it back because right. he was quick to get back and he's gonna keep it and he's there because he's know? built like a fucking rabbit. But he didn't turn around and try to tell everybody else, "Hey, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do." You know, he didn't do that. He did it, and I think that's very positive. You know, it says that it's your it's your own world. Literally, it is your own world. I, I think that a lot of people find joy in. The aspect of I am doing something, but now I must preach what I'm doing to other people because I want them to share in the same uh, feelings that I'm feeling. And, uh, you know, that goes along with religion, anything. What I discovered is that when you talk about what you're doing to someone else, even if positive or negative, what you're trying to do is affirm that you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get that positivity back to help you go. To help you stay where you're at, to keep going. Right. And when you don't get it, you realize, well, I got to make a choice. Either I'm my own cheerleader. Yep. I'm my own coach. I'm the only one that's going to keep me in the game, and that's the way it should have always been. Yep. Which was the self realization for me. Um, but I will also say, when when someone says it's a struggle to lose weight, I disagree. It's not a struggle. Uh-huh. It truly isn't. If you want to, you know, you you saw me. It was like here's, I'm only going to eat a cup of food every two hours and try that, and it's only going to be fruit, vegetables, and what have you. Yep. And I did that. And less than three weeks, just making the changes in my life, I lost 24 pounds, now 26. Yep. You know, just just cuts. And, you know, that's... It, it is... It, the, the difficulty of it 
having been in that position where I was like, man, I, I want to lose weight. And and I'll be frank about it. I really don't give a fuck. I, I don't care. Like, I, I feel like um, it's good to, to move about to keep in shape. But Ability I don't but, but I, I don't need to have six-pack abs. That doesn't concern right. me. Um, but having been in that situation where I was like, all right, I'm really going to buckle down and, and, you know, try to lose some weight. It's just about saying fuck it and doing it. You know, it's it's like anything else. If you give yourself fucking excuses as to why you can't do something, you're not going to fucking do it. No, that's yeah, as simple as that not at all. And that's then that's the real struggle because in your head you want to say, well, it's my birthday, I can just eat whatever I want, mm-hmm. ruin, wreck my plans, eat whatever I want. When really what you're saying is that deep down you don't want to do this diet, and if you don't want to do the right. diet, you're not going to stick to the diet. Right. You're not going to get the results you're going for. Thus, why do the diet? Right. Now, if it's a thing where you're staring at your doctor and dietitian in the face and they're telling you you're going <laughs> to die if you don't cut this out, that's rock bottom. Yeah. If at rock bottom you're still saying, fuck it, guess what? You're going to die, but you're going to die doing what you love. Right. But, and, but and, realize there's going to be some fucking pain right. <laughs> coming down that road in your direction. And telling you straight up, that's, to me, I don't see a problem with that if that's your choice. Yeah. However, stop all the drama and all the pain of yeah. I've tried everything and it's not working. But there's you know, stuff there, that works. There, there's a level of selfishness to that too that that is I think when you go, ah, I don't give a fuck. Okay. But what about the people in your life that do? That's true. The people that you impact that enjoy having you around in your life that want to see you live longer and be healthy and whatnot, that support group has to be there to let that person know that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have to do it for you right. at the end of the day. I, right. I do have that support group other than yourself. You know, I got Melissa, my mom, my yep. sister, got all sorts of people, you know, Brandon Wood, you know, I, the Wood family. Hey, and yeah. what it all boiled down to was this. Everyone was concerned about my health, and I will quote my doctor, okay? I saw him this past week. What are you doing here, Bob? <laughs> oh, I'm fat. I got a heart attack. I know it. something's wrong. I got this anxiety, blah, blah, blah. He says, you've had a couple surgeries. Your health hasn't been top at all. But think about it. You went 35 years without having one medical problem in the doctor's office at all. And in one year, you've had four minor. Right. So that's that's awesome, considering what lifetime of stuff could have happened so far. Right. And then when you, when you get down to the bottom of it, you know, he tells me you have a, you have a dysfunctional adrenal gland. You're always dumping adrenaline in your system, yep. but we can fix it. You know, but we didn't know that for 36 years. Yeah. And when he said that to me, I said, so why? there was no test we could have done. And he looked me in the eye and he goes, honestly, when you came in because you had the flu, how was I supposed to know you had an overactive adrenaline? Uh, right. Exactly what makes sense to you. And I started laughing about it, you know, and they're human beings, too. And that's what they got to do. And he got on to the whole fat shaming thing. Did you know the medical industry forces their doctors now? to be part of like a clinic like he's a part of, like the DuPage Medical Group, they have to go through a psychology course in fat shaming and how to identify someone who's been abused about their fat, how to communicate with them so that they actually stay with the program. You know what he told me? Hmm. He's glad he's retiring soon. (laughs) Because he said it's ridiculous. Like never in his life, there have always been fat people. Yeah, There have always been fat people. There have always been two skinny people. And as he told me, he's seen way more people with problems come into his office that were, you know, he'd consider average health, or not even health. Uh, the health was bad, but their form, they were like normal. Right. Well, what society would not even guess had problems. Right. So how do you tell if a 90-pound 90, 90 person versus a 790-pound person, you know, what, what's bad? He goes, you take their blood. We, we don't know. The medical industry doesn't know. Yeah. And he said we have ideas, but we don't know. So when logically you know that yeah. and you hear that, then we know the fat shaming, the fat business, the skinny, the good looking, the physicalities. Yeah. That's all what? 
social bullshit. Yeah, it is. It's it's like a social construct, and I the thing that doesn't register, that doesn't click in my mind, that where I get fucked up about like people with weight and people with, you know, people with differences in general. Um, a, a big topic of conversation, at least on the internet, was that that fucking chick that made that video where she went on like a ten minute rant talking shit about fat people. Oh yeah, and I'm like, how the fuck does it affect you? Right. How you, the stranger, how does it affect you? You look at someone and you find them disgusting. Okay. How is that any different than looking at a person of of a different race or different ethnicity or a different gender and going, they're fucking disgusting to me. Right. Fuck you. Who gives a shit what you think? Keep it to your fucking self. Yeah. Or don't keep it to yourself and deal with the consequences. That's as simple as that. You know, it's it's the 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 people people will will basically vote with their pocketbook. That's the situation. Right. If you want to say shit, ignorant shit, I'm I support your ability to say whatever the fuck you want. But yeah. in turn, I'm going to call you out. And and the thing about that is is that that's we're, we're two people who've built our life on that very yeah, two different ends of the road yep. came to the same conclusion because we both look around and see nobody else does it. Right. Nobody else does it. They put their head in the sand. Right. Let it duck off of water's back. When I hear that phrase, I want to slap the person who told me that. <laughs> right? Because right. when something bothers you, it bothers you. Right. You know, the question is, is that friend talking to you? Do they know you and right. know when maybe you're going too far? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's too visible. Like, you know, I get why this eats you up. Let's step, let's step away because this isn't how you normally are. And let's identify what this right. is. And that's that. And I'm cool with people like that. My problem is the folks who go... So what? She made that video and bashed fat people. Fat people are a problem. They're going to die. So what's the point? And I'm like, guess what? We're all going to fucking die. Right. It, 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 it harkens back to me to one of my very favorite comedians. And it's actually a subject he was talking about as far as smoking was concerned, uh, which ironically, he died of cancer, although I don't know that it necessarily had anything to do with it. But Bill Hicks, yeah, Bill Hicks was like, hey, guess what? You're going to fucking die, too. Like, you, you know, when you when you look at someone and you go, oh, I don't like their weight. They probably smell bad. You don't know a fucking thing about them. You don't know anything about how they got where they are, what they went through in their life, wh- where they are in their mind. Like, right. you know, if 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 you saw a person, right, and and they were a skinny and attractive person, but let's say they were dealing with deep depression. Yep. Would you be like, hey, pussy, if you ate right, you wouldn't be so fucking depressed. Do you know why? No. You know, I wouldn't. But right. Do you know why? Uh, I, I This is my theory. I'm no pro. But I have a theory why I think people who are who are fat love sugary, snacky things usually. That's usually a common weakness. Right. And it's because they're depressed. That gives them a burst of energy. <laughs> Absolutely. You have a case of soda. You're doing stuff all day. Right. You know, you're awake and reading and doing right. you know, or well, whatever you do. You're moving around the house. Exactly. Well, you you're know, think about it. it like this because we've been there. We're gamers. You know, we're, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, there is a certain level of of. Uh, like addiction that your brain, if you're like, Oh, I I have nothing to do today. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to play this fucking game and I'm going to do all this shit. I'm going to eat, drink soda and fucking, ah, I'm not like (laughs) my brain is like an overdrive. And afterwards you might feel like a piece of shit. You know, you might go, fuck, I didn't do anything today. I fucking drink a case of soda. I had fucking six fucking loaves of fucking (laughs) sweet breads or, you know, whatever the fuck you had. Right. But sugar, caffeine, these, you know, saltiness, you know, salty snacks, sugary snacks, they explode these fucking pleasure centers in your brain. Right. They, they you know, you're like, oh, you get excited, you, you know, and 
that's where you hear someone go, oh my God, that looks so good. Right. Oh, that smells so amazing. Oh, that chocolate cake. Their oh. memory, you've literally titillated their memory. Right. It's not so much as the taste, it's the memory right. of what they've had or who made it. They can't put their finger on it, but oh my God, are they going to have some of what right. they're smelling? It, 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 I was reading this thing where they were talking about, uh, these dietitians were talking about how, and, and forgive me because I'm just going to paraphrase this article, sure. but basically they were saying that Sugar doesn't have any more reactive power in your body than anything else does. It's your brain knowing that you're going to get that sweetness that shoots off those pleasure centers. It's the anticipation. So it's like sugar doesn't actually make kids hyper. It's the thought of getting that sugar, that excitement that shoots off those pleasure centers in your brain. And that's what's cre- that, that's what creates that hyperness. I think, I think the paraphrasing, I think they focused mm-hmm. on what happens in the brain. They've proven sugar's an energy source, and you take it, and it does kick you up. Now, to say, and I understand it sounds like just what, the, just what you said, I'd have to see that on paper. Yeah. Because for a long time, not only was that, was that said, it was, I've seen it, I've read the articles, and doctor explained how it, how it is, but what they're talking about is blood sugar level. Mm-hmm. Your blood sugar level is what spikes. It's not necessarily an unknown adrenaline doesn't right. kick in. It's you were down and probably low, and we've all had blood, low blood sugar, and you need something. And yep. when you eat, you feel fine, and you know you want to move on. Yeah. And that's and that's there. Caffeine and soda is really what perks you up, and we know that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'll give it to you. Not knowing either, it makes logical sense that it's the idea of yep. getting something that makes you happy. As I just talked myself into your opinion. Well, here, <laughs> I, 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 since since I was paraphrasing, I'll I'll just uh, I'll 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 read a little bit of this article um, where they talk about it. Um, so this is uh, this is this article is in Science News, and it's. Uh, it, it was published March 17th of last year, um, and it talks about parenting myths. And this one here, um, one of the parenting myths, number one, is sugar makes kids hyper. Um, and again, I'll just read off a little bit because it's only a couple paragraphs. Lots of parents swear that a single hit of birthday cake holds the power to morph their well-behaved, polite youngster into a sticky hot mess <laughs> that careens around the room while emitting ear-piercing ear uh, shrieks, etc., uh, etc., um, then it says, uh, sugar doesn't change kids' behavior, a double-blind research study found way back in 94. A sugary diet didn't affect behavior or cognitive skills. Sugar does change one important thing, though, parents' expectations. After hearing that their children just had consumed a big sugar fix, parents were more likely to say that their children were hyperactive, even when the big sugar fix was a placebo. Uh, of course, there are plenty of good reasons not to feed your kids a bunch of sugar, but fear of a little crazed monster isn't one of them. So... You know, it's either way, it's not necessarily that sugar that's going to that's going to jack you like you drink a caffeinated beverage or a Red Bull right. or, or a cup of coffee. All yeah, it's going to spike you for sure because there's stuff in there designed to right. be a but, stimulant. Right. But, my, you know, what I'm saying is that expectation of sugar of of what that joy is going to bring to you, a salty snack, a sugary treat, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It does something to your. It definitely re. It activates something in your brain to make you more, more hyper. Whether uh, you, you know, go. I was curious, and I look up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have them there, but my good old phone's really good at picking up facts. I've looked up, you know, from dieting, whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff like sugar. Why is it bad? Why sugar is bad is because it's it stores your body stores excess sugar. Yeah, absolutely. It won't use it for energy. It's not the only thing it uses for energy. But it won't use that source, and sugar turns to fat real easy. Yep. For storage, it's the whole reason why they don't want you to eat a whole right. lot of it. Right. Because it's easy for your body to hang on to. Now, your body will burn off that it burns off that source easily. If you like, for instance, they tell you to eat protein yeah. first thing. 
It needs to be the first thing in the morning. It needs to usually be the first thing when you have a meal, you know, before and after a workout. Because that protein is what you want to stick around right. as much as possible. Absorb as much as that because protein heals the body. It helps build it back up. helps keep it in a healthy, lean state. Now, that sugar is what you want the body to use yeah. to burn off the protein. So look at it this way. Protein is the first log that goes on the fire because you right. want it to burn longer. And then you throw in everything else to just kind of keep the fire going, which is what you want sugar to be. You don't yeah. need that much. You just need to have it there. Right. And uh, in here, the WebND here, which we'll use that just because they have their cited sources here. Uh, where did the hyperactivity theory come from, from sugar? Mm-hmm. Uh, can have an effect. 1973, allergist Benjamin Feingold, medical doctor, published the Feingold diet. He advocated diet free of salicylates, cel- <laughs> can't pronounce it, food colorings, and artificial flavorings for treating hyperactivity. Although Feingold's diet did not eliminate sugar specifically, it did suggest to many parents that food additives might be better avoided. Little surprise, considering that sugar just stores fat. And that's that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, and th- so they're talking about glucose specifically mm-hmm. is right. what comes on. And why this is is because, remember, we didn't know. I should say medicine didn't know just from reading. Medicine didn't know exactly what the body did with sugar for a long time, which is why all of a sudden when we figured it out, it became a craze. Warning, warning, your kids are taking sugar. Yep. Monitor it and blah, 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 blah. And so where that myth came from is when we found out how the body reacts to it, we were like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. There's like sugar everywhere, right? You know, so we gotta we gotta curb it. Well, how do you curb it in a kid? You tell him, this makes you hyper, and makes you a maniac. So stop it. You know, <laughs> which is which is a, like a really archaic way of doing things. But yeah, definitely it's strange. Like I remember the same thing: eating cookies and told I was gonna get hyper. I got sick. Yeah, I didn't feel good. No, because your body, so, yeah, because you're you're just fucking a wallowing in sugar. You know, right? It's horrible. But back to the <laughs> back to the main point. So when you look at all these these effects and, you know, that, that article, Fat Shaming the Lady, who talked mm-hmm. about it forever and the bashing, you know, I get the intent. Even even Michelle, is it Michelle Obama? Yeah. She pissed me off when she went on that campaign. That's what she's going to do as the first lady. Out of all the things she could have taken on right. in office, it's obesity. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to take on one of the things that's existed since the dawn of time. Right. You're going to correct it. Right. Well, America's the fattest. Yeah. And Russia's the poorest. I don't get what you want. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I look I look at shit like that very simply. Like we we know as adults, as like cognitive thinking people, that there are certain things we should eat and certain things that we shouldn't eat. Right. By and large, you know, and and you know, forgive me for getting on my high horse here for a second, but I think when you come down to obesity and like the lack of uh exercise and the readily uh available foods that are kind of there for if you go into a grocery store you go out and let's say you're a family right and you have two kids and the mother and father both work right and they both need to work in order to pull down this uh, lifestyle to raise their children you know are are they going to have the time like the ideal family would to sit down and make a wholesome meal or are they going to, because both fucking parents are working, probably conflicting schedules, yep. you have kids that have school, you have kids that have activities and other things that you've put them in to give them some sort of false sense of structure, just my opinion, but uh, are you going to have time to come home and cook a fucking meal 
that's wholesome and delicious and your kids are going to want to eat that's going to provide them with the nutrients that they need while simultaneously not sort of infusing them with a bunch of like saturated fats and sugars and salts and shit. It's very difficult to do. I mean, even even our, our living situation, you know, I, I only cook maybe two or three times a week if right. if it's a fucking good week. And the reason for that is like, you know, if I just want to make fucking tacos, that's a that's a process. Yeah. If I want to make tacos that are healthy, that aren't filled with a bunch of like sodium and processed shit, like I've got to go out, I've got to get fucking fresh vegetables, I gotta prepare all this shit. And what you think is a quick meal is like a three hour ordeal. The the easy way to to, to break that down, and I never you know, I'll never think it's an easy ordeal because mm-hmm. I've understood it. Right. It's, you're rendering. Right. In order to make something healthy, like let's say nachos from Taco Bell, in order to recreate that in your kitchen, you have to break down what they use mm-hmm. and decide whether or not that's what you'll use. Right. And if it's going to be healthy, you absolutely won't. Mm-hmm. Right. So depending on you want lean ground beef as lean as you can get. Right. If you want ground beef, I'd recommend ground turkey. You're going to want right. to get some sort of chips, but I like the method that you started, which is here's four tortilla chips. It's one serving. Right. Right. Here it is. Stuck right in. Here's homemade guac. This isn't processed. It's right. made right here with a fork. And some, right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's some diced vegetables and what have you thrown right in, mixed together, lime to taste. Right. And then there's your guac. But that took like an hour yeah. to make that. And then and then you ground you brown the beef and all that, and you have the chips. And then it's like, great, we're going to do lettuce and tomato and what have you. Right. And there you are. But those are all individual and separate. This right. was not a bag. There was not a mixed bag right, exactly. you bought off the shelf. And, and that's the thing. If you really want to eat healthy and you want to feed your children healthy, you, you literally have to take the fucking time for that preparation. And, you know, excuse or not, a lot of families, especially with the way that our fucking culture is today, they just don't have the time for that. And I remember growing up, basically what we ate because of our, you know, shoestring budget was a lot of like boxed meals and, you know, like quick to prepare because if you have like, let's say you're going to make a meal at home and you want to make uh, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes, like a meal like that to make from scratch. Unless you have a team right. of pardon me saying, unless you're on a plantation and we're back in time. Right. And, and, and have the, and they have the staff will be PC about let's, it. Let's ask you this. How Come long on. does it take to boil fucking potatoes and, and turn them into mashed potatoes? Like that's a forty-five minute process. It's a good time, right? And then, and then that's that's not even factoring in that that cooking is a skill. Yeah, you know, preparing food and preparing food that's delicious and healthy. That's something that you have to hone. That's not just like an ingrained knowledge that everybody has. But reading fucking directions on a box, browning some ground beef and throwing some shit in it, letting it simmer for fifteen minutes—that takes no time and right. it takes no effort or skill. You follow directions and it's done. But if you're like, well, we're going to cook a a fucking meal, you better do it on a weekend because you're (laughs) going to need that time. And I think before you tackle like, hey, eat healthy, no shit, eat healthy, but but make that shit more readily available because that same meal that you're going to make the fried chicken and the mashed potatoes, you can drive five minutes, go to fucking KFC, pick it up, spend 15 bucks and come home. And it took you 15 minutes. But now you're talking about that process and you can see my point where I yeah. said, I don't think the problem is obesity. I think yeah. the problem is depression. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely. if we tackle depression, cause think about it to a depressed person doing the simplest things is a monumental effort Yeah. to get them to do it. Funny enough though, once they get to doing an activity, they're suddenly not depressed. Yeah. Once they get to doing something, they're pulled out of it and they feel okay again. Yeah. And, and the cause is, is why does one feel depressed? <clears throat> That's what it is. It yeah. could be any number of things. You know, some people don't 
can't wrap their brain, their brain around bad news well. Some folks, they, they don't have a chemical that's produced in their brain. And believe it or not, your body will seek out avenues. It doesn't, it, it doesn't know what it wants. It just, it, in terms of your mind doesn't go, I need, I need more B12. Right. So I'm going to go get that pill off the shelf and magically I know I need B12. You know, right. it's, you're going to have cravings. Right. You're going to want to get it from somewhere else. And your body's going to want to take the path of least resistance. Exactly. It doesn't know any better. It's like, it's your child. Your right. body's your child. Exactly. And you have to, you, hey, no, here's what we need. Yep. And let's, let's figure it out. But you got to know that sort of thing, right? Right. And to tie it back to the diet. But that's where the pitfalls come in. And when you have, you know, that family that took the, the shortcuts because it had to, mm-hmm. and that's all you know, and then you apply it to you, let's talk about the other big culprit of, of obesity, portion control. Yeah. It is not healthy. We, we as Americans are in the land of plenty. <laughs> yes. When the world says that we're fat, there's lazy fat America. it's not true. It's, there may be fat people, but you know, more, more fat people than not, I know, you have people who work at home, you have people who work at a desk job, you have people who work at these easy jobs that are super important because they had the ability to go to these lofty schools to end up getting these jobs and whatever and make this money. Well, if you make $110,000 a year, you're not going to let anybody tell you you can't buy that chocolate cake you wanted. Right. Right? And now you're going to bring that chocolate cake home. Shit, stupid. It's just you and your wife. Right. No kids. Right. Well, she's going to have a sliver because she's watching, you know, whatever. Or worse, you're the fat guy in the house. She sees you every day. Yeah. And she's definitely not going down that path. So she's, nah, I'm good with the cake. And so here's you going... I spent 40 bucks on an ice cream chocolate cake. God damn it. I'm not throwing it out. Yeah. And then you're having these monster slices. Or let's say it's not even that. And you're at home. And you go and get Oreo cookies or what have you. And they're not broken up in servings. Mm-hmm. You don't think, this, what's one serving for your cookies? And that's all you get. No one anywhere has ever had that talk to their kids. <laughs> only only have a few cookies. There's other people in the house to consider. I remember being upset more often than not, and I would throw out or eat someone else's cookies so they could never find it. Well, here's a... Here's a here's My a, sister, it was a Christmas, and this uh-huh. is funny as hell. My grandmother made these oatmeal cookies, and they're the bomb, right? Yep. We had it. Full dozen. Now, to know me, I do love homemade things. Yes. I am a sucker for homemade bread. I am a sucker for homemade cookies. I don't care what diet I'm on. Yep. If you bring them to me, it's because you hate me. All right? Because I can't... Mm-hmm. I won't do it. It's currency to Bob. Now, yeah. Now, it's why I never am around it. Now, when someone though on a Christmas day she makes this stuff or around Christmas, I don't think it was on Christmas. Me and my sister, as brother and sister do, get in a stupid argument. Someone's right. No one wants to look it up. Blah 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 blah. We're good at arguing points. I'm tit for tat in her. I know I'm getting on her skin. She, I end up winning the argument. She turns around and she goes to her go tos. Right. You're fat. You're stupid. You were born in a pizza box. All this horrible stuff yeah. you say to your brother. I was like, okay. Now, my grandmother had been laying on these cookies are for Kelly, blah, 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 over on the side. I just didn't say anything. So what did I do? <laughs> I know exactly I was angry. what you did. <laughs> I got me a big old glass of milk. I ate them motherfucking cookies, man. That's right. Sorry, everyone. That's what I did. So, And I did it with a smile. Now, when they went around and asked what happened to the cookies, Kelly knew. Kelly knew. Yeah. She looked right at me. Bob, what happened to the cookies? And I remember looking at her. Don't know. <laughs> Don't know at all. And I'm finishing the glass of milk. Right. He ate the damn cookies, did I? Why would I do that? You know, stuff like that. Because I believe when people like something and they make you angry, especially in your family, you don't want to hurt them. You're right. angry. You're in a moment. So your way of anger is to do that childish shit. And you get out of it. But for a lot of people, they take that act of anger eating mm-hmm. and they still do it. Yeah. 
get into a fight with someone, pass a Krispy Kreme on the way home, they eat a dozen yep. Krispy Kreme on the way home. Uh, get you know, it's it's it's, it's like stress management, it's like dealing oh, yeah. with a with a stress. You know, some people go out and drink, some people go out and and you know get high. Some people fucking eat. Some people gamble. You know, it's oh, yeah. like it's it's the same thing. It's like anything else. Like if you allow your brain to get that that into that position where it's using it as a function to deal with some other stress. Yep. You know, you're gonna have health issues. You don't get fat from gambling. No, you, you don't. don't get fat from snorting <laughs> cocaine. No one in the history of nowhere ever played craps and put on fifty pounds. No. But but so, it, it craps it, is rolling dice if you don't know. I'm not talking about I know how that sounds. Just but saying. uh you know, you'll you'll find too if you look at the statistics, the vast majority of the people that are underweight, the it correlates to uh the poorer you are, the more likely you are to be overweight. And it really comes down to that statement that I was I was making earlier that when you have less money and you have less means, you're going to eat less healthy because as we've discovered on a number of occasions, you having been in college, I'm sure you encountered this, me having, you know, been fluctuated from having some money to not having some money. It's a lot less expensive to go to the store and buy a big box of fucking ramen yep. that you can fill yourself up on for a whole week than it is to try to take that same couple of dollars and turn that into a wholesome fucking meal. It's just, that's just simple mathematics. And I didn't come from a poor family, but I came from a lower middle class family. We had one person in the house that worked and two kids. And so they would try to take a dollar and stretch it, you know, as far as possible. So most of the food that go ahead. And I was apologizing for laughing because I felt like a jerk. I'm, no, I'm laughing from a memory. I'll tell you, you know, about it. Most most of the most of the food that that we ate was processed. It was boxed. And those were eating habits that you learn. You know, you learn Number one, when a meal is presented to you, you eat all of it. You you don't leave anything behind. So, you know, you learn those habits. You learn that, okay, uh, you know, we, we have a box of this, we have a box of that, and we're going to make a meal out of it because that, that meal ended up costing 3 or $4 as opposed to if I go out and I'm like, hey, I want to make a really nice dinner. And, you know, when now as an adult, when I cook, I like to cook fresh food and and right. and make a, a a tasty fresh meal but that same meal that you know a box of fucking uh taco shells and a pound of ground beef and some seasoning and everything's boxed you know that's a five or six dollar meal the most expensive thing you're going to get out of that is the meat but that same meal if i want to go and i want to make that fresh that's going to be like a 25 or 30 dollar meal you know, so there's there's a huge shift. And to just have this kind of like we need to battle obesity. Well, we need to battle a lot more than that to get at the root cause of where obesity right. comes from. We need to battle the fact that people don't fucking make the money that they need to live this lifestyle that and, and if it's possible to do that, that should be education. Number one, yeah. that should be something that if you're if you don't eat, you die. Right. So, so nutrition should be Man's something, loud. right? It, if you don't eat, if you don't, if if you feed yourself garbage, you're it's going to kill you. Why then is that not? Why isn't nutrition something that's heavily focused on in schools? Why isn't that taught to our children from day one? Not only how to eat healthy, but how to eat healthy in a way that doesn't cost them out their ass. Now, in school, they do. Uh, they do. They do do that. In health class, I remember they or home ec. Excuse me. 
Uh, they, both of them. They went over diet. Right. And what a calorie is and all that other stuff. Why they don't define it? Because they're giving you the building blocks, assuming that when you get home, someone's talking to you about it. Now, right. are there programs where at school now they probably have it? I've I, heard. Yeah, I don't at know. At some schools it's coming. Yeah. It's coming where they talk about eating too much and whatever. A lot of schools have had revamps mm-hmm. where they're their community has made enough money scholastically right. or enough given by the government that they were able to eliminate old cafeterias and, and fresh right. cafeterias. And that's, and that's fair. You know, I don't have kids. I don't, I have no experience and you oh, know, no, I'm just putting awareness out there. Yeah. Just saying it, they do exist. It's coming, but you're right on one. Uh, you're right on all that. But the, the one fact I wanted to point out is that when you are at a grocery store, I never understood why you want to eat something that's sitting on the shelf in the middle. I was always attracted to what looks lively on the left. And I, I was on a farm for most of my right. life, for a lot of my life, I'd say. Can't say most anymore. But um, this quote-unquote farm, you know, we had vegetables, blueberries, strawberries, fields next to us, things like that. And we were, they, my family was always cooking something. Right. And it was, it was fresh. And when I started seeing them making, I mean, fresh as in we pulled it out the ground today. Yeah. So when you see that, at first I was against it because I was 10 years old when we started doing that. And I knew what the other stuff was, but at the same time, coming back up north and just seeing, like, right. something that repulses me, Doritos bags. <laughs> right. I don't know why I like Doritos. I don't know why. I know why I like Doritos. I had one or two, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I know why. Because when I was a kid, we're talking knee-high to a grasshopper, I was watching stuff, and I'd get a PB&J and Doritos, and right. that was my go-to lunch. That's right. the one thing I was taught to Especially make. It's like a nostalgia. That's it. It's programming. Right. It's what I had. But why I don't like them now is because when I look at a Dorito, you'll never have more sodium. Oh, they're they're absolute shit. They're, they're horrible for you. It's artificial everything. Yeah, to me, I, I like in eating like chips and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, will, I will get down on the junk food with the best of them. But when I think about it logically, it's a lot like consuming sawdust. So let's... Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like I do. you're on the ship and it literally is something that's filling a void. But I want to say this. We're not talking from a place of hypocrisy, you know, the folks listening. We're talking from a place of it is perfectly healthy for us to go. Nate knows smoking is bad for him. So now he's using what he likes to call the robot penis, which is mm-hmm. really called. It's a like an e-cig or a vape. An e-cigarette. It's designed to remove most of the carcinogens and smoke causing from it yeah. and just give you nicotine. That's it. And doesn't make everything stink and blah, blah, blah. Sure. It's less harmful to you. Do, do I know that it's uh, any more or less healthy than a cigarette? No. But I can tell you this, and I'll let you get back. I don't want to interrupt you too long here. But I'll tell you this. There have been some things that I've noticed since I started using this. One, my throat doesn't hurt as much. So there's there's a definite thing there. Yep. Two, I cough less. I still cough, you know, and a lot of that is probably me getting shit out of my, my lungs, you know, because I've been smoking for fucking 20 years and three, I can smell and things taste different. So like, you know, I was telling you the other day, like I, I I literally feel like I'm developing a superpower because I'm like, I'm smelling things that, you know, like I'm in my brother's house yesterday and I'm just smelling something and I know that nobody else smells it. And it's a little funky, and I'm like, that's a week ago. I wouldn't have that. That wouldn't, wouldn't have been have right. Yep. I wouldn't have smelled it at all. So I can definitely see changes, you know, physiologically and even psychologically. I can I can notice these changes, but, but that's the extent the, of my interruption. But back to the hypocrisy, I, I mentioned that because it's not hypocritical. It's it's two people who are healthy and make an active choice to do <coughs> or not to do something. And the difference is is that you have super healthy friends. 
that learn about this CrossFit. And because they're not their high school weight or what they what they used to do when they were in school, they decide they're going to join CrossFit. Now they won't eat anything but vegetables and become a born-again vegan and do all this crazy shit, you know, changing their lifestyle, saying it makes them happy, makes them happy, when deep down, these people are miserable. These are the same people who, you know, they, they go through all this torture and what have you at the end of the day. It makes them stressed out. They're keeping on all this schedule they don't normally do. And by the way, if you're somebody who wants to do something because you're interested and you want to do it, it doesn't stress you out. Right. How does doing what you want to do stress you out? Yeah, I, I, I look at it like this. If you want to be a vegan, I have nothing but admiration if that's what you want to do. If you're doing it for a moral reason, I have no problem with it. If you're doing it because you're like, you know what, I want to feel healthy and this is what I think is going to get there, and it does, and you're happy with it, fucking bravo. But if you're like, I have to do this because I'm compelled and I have to keep diaries and I have to, that, that seems like you, what you eat and how you live shouldn't cause you stress, like you're saying. Right. It, it should be what you want to do because you want to do it. And so when it comes to, I'll simplify it. I'm going to put it in my, my own Bob words like this is designed to do. When I look at the state of the United States of America, I look at the state of what Hollywood has dictated through movies, through media, what have you, what the idea of beauty is. Instead of beauty being a moral set of beliefs, a strength of character that literally shows on a person when they talk, speak, and how they act, and that's, that's what truly what beauty should be, somebody who has their stuff together, as it said. It has become this superficial mega woman, mega male with ideal features and what have you regardless of what their personality is you know a sculpture a statue but just like a sculpture or a statue they're nothing they're just appearance <laughs> right. all it is is that they're just an object they're not going to be anything else but these same people would turn around and say don't objectify me don't just think right. of me in sexual ways don't just think of me because i'm more than what i look like well we'll learn that when you're old <laughs> we'll learn that when all you have is your personality but you have something worthwhile to fucking and say why i bring that up when you have someone like Michelle Obama, who's going to say, oh, yeah, this I'm tired of seeing all the obese people in the world or what have you. And I'm concerned about our children's health. It's bullshit. Michelle Obama, you're, you're, you're fit. You're attractive. Your husband's fit. He's attractive. You have kids who opinions vary, period, about all that. But the fact is you're going to turn around as the first man and first lady and say you would like to be the leaders of a nation of Spartans. <laughs> That's what you wish you had. You know, you wish you had these super fit, intelligent people, ever, these mega beings right. that were behind you. But it more or less looked like it's somebody who wanted something to do, and that's what they had. But it hit like wildfire, right? Yeah. Because when you're the first lady and you have a problem, well, the nation has a problem. And they're going to look at it because you're the heart of the hardened American president. And I won't delve too much politically, but that's just how I took it and how I see it. And I find it just as laughable. If that opinion is laughable to you, I find the whole situation laughable. To put that right where it belongs. Because when I look at someone, we'll call him Dan. And Dan is this guy who's who's heavy set, you know, he's doing but he's working ten hours a week or he's going to college full time, mm -hmm. plus he's working, or he's happily married with three kids, and his idea of enjoyment is to go home to his wife and his family, yell at his kids for not doing chores, which is the norm, encouraging them or whatever he's doing, and then he decides that he's gonna eat for the first time that day. That's a reality. Yeah. A lot of people skip breakfast to get there at work because they, they value rest more than they do sustenance. And at work, they ate that bagel. 
right. or they had whatever they could get their hands on. Or they lived on coffee for the first 10 hours. And just suppress that appetite. And then that becomes a habit. Right. Your body gets used to it. And then before you know it, yeah, he's put on weight because his metabolism isn't working for him. Right. His body's storing the energy. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus is, hey, Dan, how's your life? And Dan goes, oh, man, I love my life. My kids are great. My wife's great. I work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, work's rough. But, you know, hey, that's what we need to keep the family together. Right. That should be the focus. Right. Dan's got it going on. Now, when Dan's health gets impacted, well, now he's got to make some changes. And everyone's saying we should we should preventatively. Our nation's in a state of anxiety. Yep. A constant state of anxiety. They're pre-worrying and pre-freaking out about events that haven't even happened yet. Right. Well, you know, now a lot of companies, too, are they're, they're going, oh, well, if you... If you maintain this level of fitness, if you do all this, that, and the other to to get your, you know, to to get healthy and and stay fit, you know, we'll give you discounts off of your insurance. We'll do this, that, and the other, which is all well and good, but what are you as a company besides just giving discounts, which don't really fucking exist? Right. Let's, let's establish that when we jack up the cost of your insurance rates and we go, Hey, we'll charge you the same as we were charging you before. As long as you can pass this fucking physical fitness test, that does not, that's, that's not helping people get into shape or get into a condition where they're healthy. It, It look at a lot of other countries and I, you know, I'm just waxing here, but there are, corporations and businesses and companies that go, you know, we, we want you to work. We want you to be ultra productive. We want you to work 10 hours a day, but we're going to give you this 45 minutes for lunch. And then we're going to give you an hour to go walk around the campus. or we're going to give you an hour to go to, you know, do physical fitness or in the morning, we're going to do, you know, calisthenics before we start like that shit to me. If you want people to be healthy then you should provide them health. an opportunity. Provide health. Right, you want them exactly. Healthy, provide health. Exactly. If you want productive worker bees, keep them fucking healthy. Don't just tell them, if you get healthy, we won't charge you as much. Like I know for a fact, work, working for Microsoft, it's a company that cares about their employees. Mm-hmm. For their corporate employees, every year they get $250 more. Like I think it's like 350 if you're a different tier, mm-hmm. like executive or something. But the company invests that much for you to go towards your gym, Right. It has to be health equipment towards right. your gym, towards your health, whatever it is. That's what you get to do, and then they reimburse you for it. Right. Like within two days. Right. You just get them the receipt to them, email, and it's done. And that's an amazing benefit. But having been to their actual corporate campuses in Seattle, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, they have dedicated on the floor. I talked about this because it blew me away. You don't have to go anywhere for lunch. They have five-star chefs in 12 different stations on one entire floor that's there for the hours of lunch. Right, and that's cool. Which is only two. You walk in, the company provides you a card, five bucks a day. You know how much those meals are? Five bucks? Yeah. And you go in and give them the card, and that's that. If you're a guest in the area and you just want to attend the Microsoft Floor Lunchroom, you can, and you'll see people who will walk in, I just want to come in for lunch, sure. And they got to pay the $10, $15, whatever it is. I don't, I don't even think it's that much, but they mm-hmm. got to go through, but it's there. Right. And it's exact portions, and believe me, you are not leaving hungry. Right. Well, you know, you know good, good, bad, or evil, I, I think that you'll find a lot more in technology companies, the companies that are run by people that are maybe a little bit more intelligent about people in general. Uh, right. You're going to find, you know, like these major companies, Apple, Google, Microsoft, et cetera, where maybe not on a retail level where a lot of people are working, but on a corporate level, they want to take care of their people. They yep. understand that they want people that perform well, that are creative, that are you know, moving forward that are, you know, expanding on ideas, they want to take care of those people. 
because those people are bright. Those people are. And, and I think that the only thing I would say is that level of dedication to your people needs to be spread far and wide yeah. because for a lot of people, they don't have that level of, of, uh, of value to a company. You know, when you work in a store and I, I feel like, like someone that works at the very bottom rung, I feel like the, those people are probably even more valuable because those are the people that are really busting their asses. They and, represent you. Right. And, and they should be taken care of. They, they should, there should be a lot of that. Have you ever heard of Carol Smith that works as the uh, executive marketing director for Microsoft? No. Because she's in a corporate office. Never right. going to hear about right. it. Right. Because you're going to run into Joe Blow who is going to try to sell you the software you need and the computer you need or the Xbox you were looking for or right. the latest gadget. Right. That's what you're going to run into. And he's going to make fuck all money. Yep. You know, I mean, in comparison. Well, he'll put, he'll have a smile on his face and you hope that smile isn't fake mm -hmm. and you hope the environment retail sucks, right? Anybody will tell you, there are a lot of people who will try to tell you different. Mm -hmm. Those are the people who've learned to play the game or have never worked in retail. Right. When you're, in, when you're in retail, just to give a, we are not a retail world anymore. Back in the day, retail used to be you walked up to the counter, you talked to the nice older couple or, or family that runs the business, and they would show you around, they would talk about their stuff, and they were passionate about their stuff, because this is what their family decided they were doing with their life. And they want you to come back, and they want to take care of you. Right. They have a sense of ownership. Right. Yeah, now, absolutely. Now, corporations try to pour this sense of ownership in a $10 an hour guy. <laughs> You're not going to do it. Right. You know? I myself have worked on over a five million dollar deal, pulled it down. Believe me, I didn't make one. I didn't make nothing right from from that. You know what I'm saying? And I definitely had a hand in helping that out. And when you think about that, oh man, Bob, you're in a shit job. You should get out of it. Well, let's let's look at it in a different light. That's the norm. Yep. That's the norm well, that uh, people are dealing with. Uh, reality, right? And they and they feed you this uh, this concept, this idea that like this is your business and you should take as much pride in this business as, as you know, as if it were, it's your business and blah, blah, blah. And you, and you go, but it's really not my business at all. What they really mean to say is it's a job that we're paying you to do. Right. But they can't say that because it's very negative. Right. The job we're paying you to do. Well, we, we know what the, you know, you know, mm -hmm. and your employer, the person who hired you, that's not even your employer. Right. Your employer is a corporation, mm -hmm. which, which law says is an entity. So we'll just say the corporation right. hired you, but they've never met you. Right. And this guy who they also hired to supervise you, who is trying to get the numbers so the corporation does notice him to pull him up another step. Yep. Right. That's all he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to do better and get paid until you figure out what that game's about. Right. And in the interim, we want you to go to the world that comes and visits you, put on a super smile, and act like you own this business, when in reality, it's a very scary place to be in because you have no job security. No, not at all. You know, if you're in a right-to-hire, right-to-fire state, or you're in a job that tells you that out, mm -hmm. we reserve the right to let you go at any time. Yep. You know what you're really signing up for? Every day you walk in is a roll of the dice. Yeah, absolutely. So their job, and it's critically hard for an employer, because being in management, it's incredibly hard to get somebody... To self-motivate. Yep. I can't get you excited about your job. I hired you yep. because I believe you want the job and I believe you're going to be passionate at the job. But as I find out that one customer yells at you, you practically have a meltdown because you never experienced that. Yeah. Or you're sick of experiencing that, which is worse. Yes, absolutely. Because when you're sick of it, you're fed up. Yep. And you carry with you all that history, right? Yeah. And then when you explode at that person who's degrading you, you know, I know I'm speaking to the choir here. Yep. But the fact is, is you. 
Yeah. What it comes down to is you, the worker, the ten dollar an hour worker, start having those thoughts, and now everything sounds negative. Because how can you? You just told me, I'm getting paid for this guy to come in, throw his device at me. Yep. Tell me it's broken. I need to fix it. I didn't make it. I didn't sell it to him. Right. But and then the, he called yeah. me all these horrible things, knowing I can't do anything about it because it's my livelihood I'm working yeah. on, and then degrades me, and then my boss turned my supervisor turns around, gives him a credit, and because I raised my voice to him, cut me loose for the rest of the day with no pay. Yeah, absolutely. And or or around, worse, or wrote you up, right, or you know. Right. And then it's like, okay, but we're gonna focus on fat shaming. <laughs> right. do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah i did uh, i did that whole thing yep from the beginning of the mic to now to point out fat shaming is pointless yeah i could give you ten thousand things that are more important right now yep than fat shaming and, or and, and, anything and, else and, and and drastically more important and you know it, it it really comes down to do you know how we handled fat shaming back in the day let me tell you how i handled fat shaming mm-hmm. real simple Bob, you're fat. Nana, nana, club, club. <laughs> right. That's what I did. Do you know what happened? My parents, my dad and mom are furious. Like, why are you, why are you beating on these kids? They called me fat. You're just big. Don't worry about it. My mom's like, you're big boned. And I was like, I'm big boned, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true because when I hit that kid, he didn't bounce up too fast. So I guess it's, you know, and they're like, don't be a bully. I'm not a bully. Walked up and called me fat. I'm sitting over here minding my business. Don't call someone fat within arm's reach. And no. They, yeah, no one else you know, it. it <laughs> that after that after defending my fat shamers, uh-huh. defending myself against them, I was called the bully. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was called the bully, I really enjoyed it. And let me tell you why. Well, because it gave you a sense of power. Nobody fat shamed me. Right. But I didn't bully anybody. This is the reality of it. I did it once. I defended myself, and that was that. Right. And everybody was like, well, leave him alone. Which tells me it didn't bother them. That I was fat, it no. bothers them that I'm bigger than them, or or it bothers them, or probably the closer to the truth was it didn't bother them at all, and what it was was they had no fucking sense of self, and shitting on people, <laughs> fucking with people, calling them names, or trying to physically intimidate them, gave them a sense of power that they didn't possess. Right. You know, if you want to get down to the crux of bullying, I'm the perfect person to talk to. I was fucking bullied my entire life. Up until I was a fucking teenager out of high school. And it was because you have fucking awful parents who raise their children awfully. And those children who, you know, really, I don't feel like it's any fault of their own. They need to feel some sense of of power because they're powerless against whatever's going on in their life. I, I would only counter on one point. I've seen very good parents. Mm-hmm. Provide for their children, give them everything they need, and that because the child can live a double life. Yeah, they can go home and do nothing. There wrong. is Mom something is to say about sociopaths, and then they go back to where. <laughs> but I don't even say it's a sociopath as much as a person who figured out who they are at school doesn't have to be who they are right. at home. You know what I mean? That's true to anybody. That's that's face, right? You put on a work face, you put on a public face versus your what you who you are at home, who you are for real. There are bullies who perfectly fine go to school. I really think you nailed on the head earlier mm-hmm. when you told me you gave me a sense of power. Did I feel powerful when I hit that kid? I'll be honest. In every single fight I've ever been in, I've never felt powerful. In fact, I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything but the adrenaline rush. There wasn't anything but maybe the rage I had to defend. And then later on, in analyzation, I thought about it. I go, those were just words. Why did it affect me? Mm-hmm. And then I never let that affect me again. Right Now, diamond in a rough I may be, to those people, I realized that they were enjoying a fad. 
not fat, a fad. Right. Now, something was in, and the in was to pick on fat kids. And then I said, no, it's not. Right? <laughs> I may have done it physically. Right. But when Bob's around, it's not fat kid time. Right. It's just Bob doing his thing. And by the way, Bob may want two Cokes, not one. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and that's, <laughs> you know what, I'm that's what I'm saying. It's 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 taking whatever is different from the accepted social circle and isolating it. And and I think that that's like, I don't think it's a good thing, but I think it's very natural yep. to, you know. To, It'll happen no matter your culture. It'll happen no matter what tribal system you have. It'll happen anywhere because somebody will be stronger or faster or smarter or wittier mm-hmm. and you are not. Yeah. And you always focus on your negatives, your shortcomings. People never focus on their strengths. Right. The people who look awesome are those who figure out if I just do what I'm good at and just focus on what I'm good at, people won't pay attention to what I'm bad at, which is a fact. Absolutely. Right. And that's and that's the key. Like you what are we doing now? You found, man, my voice is one of the things I have. It's one of the many talents you have. From from your art to your voice, your wit, your intellect. From now, you're applying them, right? Yeah. Nobody cares you don't run the mile in, in five minutes <laughs> flat. You know what I'm saying? And, and no one's no one cares what you look like. It's, and on. and beyond that, I I have enough confidence in myself that I don't give a fuck if they do or not. And thank you. You know that that's the bottom line. I I feel like I am against bullying. I will tell you that flat out. Yeah. I'm against marginalizing people. I'm against making people feel like shit for any reason. But if I, I feel like if I didn't have that gauntlet to pass through, I wouldn't be able to deal with the world around me as well as I feel that I can. My greatest gift that my family ever gave, and you know my mom and dad did, was the fact that I was left alone predominantly growing up. And why I call it a gift? I really feel their thoughts and opinions didn't shape me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The situations we were in as a family did. Sure. But they didn't. Right. I mean, it's what, what could they do? I was fed. I was cared for. That was it. They yep. did a job as a parent. No one bounced me on their knee and told me about the boys and the girls and how that went down. I had to figure that out in school. <laughs> that was my own, you know, sort of what ha- And then I would come to them and be like, hey, dad, I went to school and this kid called me a nigger. What the hell is that? And then my dad was like, who the hell said that? And I was like, oh, well, the kid down the way. And then I watched my mom, Robert, because that's my dad's name. I never heard her call him Robert. You know, it was always honey, sweetie pie, something like that. Right. And he's like, what? You need to calm down. And said to my dad, who's 100% black. Uh-huh. And he's like, who, who said that to you? And he goes, he goes, pick me. I do remember him picking me up, putting me on his lap then. And he told him, by the way, I'm like 11. Right? Visited. We're talking. And he tells me, he goes, nigger means lazy. You can look it up. It means lazy. <laughs> but it also means a lot of other things. And right. I want you to watch these movies first. And then I want you to have a talk with me. And then we're going to the museum. And he took me to the time, I believe it was the Field Museum of Science Industry, to look at a piece of the Amistad. And he did all that. My dad was huge on education. He did not want me to have his reaction unless it was my reaction. Right. And then what he discovered, one of his prouder moments, was me being in, I was literally crying in fits of rage. I remember standing in the museum uh, because my family... My, my ancestors and what have you, and there was nothing they could do. And he asked me, he goes, what are, you, what are you so upset about? I was like, who can do that to people? Any people. Mm-hmm. And he was like, did, got quiet. I mean, he literally paused like that, hugged me, calmed me down, and he went, that happens the world over because people are that way to people. Yeah. I remember that. That was That's the foundation of Bob. Mm-hmm. That made me who I am today. 
And I will always thank them for that. But he let me come to that conclusion. Yeah. You know what I mean? He questioned my thought process. He didn't give me one. Yeah. Now, when I see the common era bully, I always wonder, I always say to myself, I bet you if we met, I'm a teacher. Yeah. When I go to a place and teach and I, and I see these kids and I talk to them, you will inevitably run into a parent or two. And whenever I see the parents, I can almost pick the parents out of the crowd based on how that kid was acting. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's it's scary. Not all of them. The bad ones definitely. To to, to put it to put it in a way that's rather blunt and and you know not nearly as as eloquent. Uh, assholes breed assholes. <laughs> that 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 tends to be the universal. And uh, you know I've been an asshole most of my life, so the I've really had no desire to have a child because my fear is. I will raise a little asshole. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the world needs more little assholes. But um, I, I I do feel like if you as a person have the intelligence and the wherewithal to you know dig yourself out of whatever hole you've been in, you know your your you know and I don't want to shit on my parents. I think my parents did the best they could with what they had. But a lot of what I experienced, just kind of like off the cuff, general ignorance. I looked at that and went, oh, that's not, to me, that doesn't ring true. That doesn't, you know, I don't want to be that way. A part of this whole process is that too. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, I, I've, I've watched my parents kind of like languish in, in, you know, check to check living and, you know, being unhappy with what they do. And that doesn't appeal to me. Uh, I think that a large part of depression, just as a general, you know, uh, statement comes from having to do things that leave you feeling like shit when you're done, having to do jobs that don't fulfill you, right. having to live life in this sort of this, you know, get up, go to work, pull the fucking lever, turn the fucking knob, go home. Soul. Right. And it, it, it's, it literally leaves you broken. I think that the most important part of, of human existence is really creativity. I think it's being able to create whatever it is that you want to create. And I've said this many times to you before, but I feel like if you are doing something that is, is uh, you know, if it's enhancing your creativity, it's allowing you to get that out of you. It's allowing you to do something that you feel good about. If you're able to every day go and, you know, get that creativity out and make something, great. Whatever your job is. You know, I won't say for some people, doing sales that's what they love. That's right. where their creativity is. And I wouldn't begrudge them if that's what you want to do. But when that's what you have to do and it's taking whatever creativity is in your mind and it's making you focus it in a way that isn't, uh, you know, fulfilling to you. Fuck that job. I am a defender. I've said this multiple times. Like I said, I was labeled a bully for that incident. Mm -hmm. I always bullied the bullies. I always looked out for the people who were the real ones. Right. And I dealt with them accordingly. Won't get into it. But the, I wasn't Batman or nothing. But you know, <laughs> and then it just—it was a vigilante, right? <laughs> I'm Batman. No, but <laughs> the, conversely, uh, on that point, when it comes to like just people being themselves, mm -hmm. you can walk around every day. If you want to ever see people who are not living the life they like, go to Target. <laughs> go to any Target, and I'm not referring to the employees. Uh huh. How many families have you seen just walking around Target 
and the moms are frantic and they're looking for that one thing they forgot or they're late on, or you see them, oh, there was a great deal. I had to come and stock up on this because I need that and the other and blah. Like they're planning for a future yeah, fallout. They, they've created a, an environment in their head that is self-sustaining for... And then go over to the target return. That's when you look at the employee. That's when you're looking at an analyzation of someone <laughs> you cannot like their job, right? Yep. And then it always makes me think, that's human interaction, isn't it? No, it's not. It's people who were trained by companies to lie to one another, and nobody ever has liked being lied to. Yep. Not even tyrants, especially tyrants, nor good saints. They've never liked it, right? No one's going to like it. You feel betrayed. It's hard for you to trust someone. You do give little trust mm -hmm. when you talk to people, and when they lie to you, that's a betrayal. That's why you don't want to talk to them anymore. Right. So now you're at a target trying to return something because you bought something in good faith mm -hmm. and learn it's defective and you just go to get another one and they got to hit you with policies because you're a day over or whatever the situation right. is. So we learn as consumers to lie yep. if, we, if we need to. If we need to return it, lie or whatever. Right. In fact, most of the time people lead with that. Or, right, because we might get more out of it. Right. I'm returning it, but oh, they're going to give me something for my bottom dollar. Yeah, okay. Or they're just going to, that guy behind the counter is, is, is Ray and he's getting $750 an hour. Right. He's just doing his job. And Ray doesn't 16. give a fuck about your problems. Right. At all. He's going to take it and to keep his job, he has to say this. Right. And then he's going to do that. And, and, if, and not only that, but Ray has to lie to you too. Yeah. You, you've devised upon entry or, and you've been trained, you know, from, from the point where you were a child. Yep. You have to go in and you have to lie to this person. You have to bullshit them into giving you what you want because you feel you deserve it. Oh, yeah. Now, Ray, behind the counter, has been taught, this is how you handle the customer. This is how you deal with the customer. This is what you do. This is the process. You yep. smile. You thank you. You feel concerned. We can write the book. Right. And Ray is going, fuck you. Yeah. Ray in his head is going, number one, you're a fucking liar. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You took it home, you opened the package, and you snapped the fucking arm off of that mug. Fuck you, you're a liar. Didn't come that way, you didn't buy it that way. But Ray instead has to go, oh, of course, I totally understand. And Ray can assume the positive, no matter what. Whether mm -hmm. he's he's that negative in his head, right. or he just goes, oh, that sucks, let me right. get you another one. The customer's still going, oh, I don't want another one. Right. Because look at how that is. Uh-huh. Then that whole company must be wrong. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or we can just, here you go. This happens, shipment broke it. Don't know what happened, but I hope you have a better day. Uh huh. That's the ideal. Does it end that way? Nine Rarely times ever. out of ten, no. No. Nine times there's something that's got to be said. Now, why bring up Target? Because you mentioned sales. Mm -hmm. Now we know what that job is, which really isn't sales. No. Right? It's more service industry yeah. right there. When you think of sales, I think of cell phones. I think of selling high-end equipment. Right. By legality sake, and I still work for them. I'm not going to mention others, but even though I did. Whatever. Uh, the point is, is when someone walks in. I don't like lying to people. No. I never have. I don't enjoy it. I no. don't being lied to. Why? When I was younger, it was a survival trick that I learned, and I was very good at it, and I hated it. Right. And it wasn't, and I thought it was because, why I don't like lying is because I thought I was the only one in the world uh -huh. who was lying, right. who was manipulating. And I said, I got to make this sacrifice so I can eat tonight. Right. Why? I'm 17 at a college, and I can't afford the meal plan three months in. So I got to get a job. I don't have right. a job yet and I have to figure it out. Right. And I believe me, I figured it out, you know, and then eventually I learned honesty also was my salvation, you know, just telling someone candidly, look, this is what I got to do to make ends meet, but I'm not quitting on school. 
And they were like, oh, well, here, we'll give you a job. Yep. Right? Cool story. Mm-hmm. But the point is, now when I'm at these places selling high-end electronics or whatever, and this guy walks in, you wouldn't believe how many CEOs, entrepreneurs, endless money, bottom dollar moguls, super uber rich people out of, out of Oak Brook, right? Out of a rich community who allegedly walk in and have the time in their day to, to, to look at a $4,000 package. And that's what they want to do. And it's like, well, do you, want, do you want to get it today? After you explained everything and it meets their needs, and they're like, oh, let me think about it. Yeah. They've already thought about it. Yeah. And they could just say, nah, it's too much money. I don't want to spend all that for that. I wouldn't use it that much. Yep. That's honesty. They're yep. not going to say that. Or conversely, I'm the consumer and I walk into a place and I meet Pam. Mm-hmm. And Pam's super happy and nice to see me. Yep. And she's so into me. And she's completely here with her lip gloss and her hair for perfect physique. And she's 20 and she's talking to me and she's totally going to comment on what a snappy dresser I am. And she likes my smile and I have really pretty freckles on my face. They bring out my eyes. Now, let me show you this, that, and the other thing because I make commission off everything you buy, Robert. Yep. That's a liar. It, it absolutely is. Uh, in fact, the the manipulation is rather deep. The... As an employee, you are manipulated by the company to sell their product. You are not manipulated. You're in a in an ideal world. It would be we have a product and people are going to come in and look at it. Now we want you to be informed. We want you to be friendly to the customer because we want to endear them to us because we we sell a product we think that they could use. Now you address the customer, address their needs, answer their questions, find out if they want to buy the product, give them the help that they need to set their product up. And send them on their way. That's a great, to me, that's ideal. I, Nathan, I make this product. I make this cell phone. And you, Bob, you seem to need a cell phone, hence why you've come in. Well, this is what my cell phone does. This is what my cell phone can do to improve your life. And, you know, it's a great product. Here's the price. Are you interested? Oh, you're not. Okay. Well, apparently my device cannot work for you. Wouldn't it be amazing if these companies said, okay, Bob, today we're manu- we made the BOSU ball. It's mm-hmm. an amazing workout. You have it in your home. You use it. Um, I need you to come with us because we want to train you mm-hmm. on how we made the BOSU ball so you can talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Do you want me to sell it? Well, if they want if they want to buy it, but I think it's just sitting there on its own, no one's going to know what it is. Right. So if you don't mind, we're going to put you on the beach in California, and we're going to have you sit there. All day. Right. We're going to pay you a fancy wage, travel included, for, for one weekend out of the month. You're going to make a month's worth of salary or whatever this magical job this is. Right. And when people walk by, I just want you to ask them to try it out. You know, talk to them about it. If they're serious about their fitness. A lot of people are scared. This is a fact. A lot of people assume they can't do a lot of the activities, exercises, and workout routines because they're intimidated by what they see on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can't lift weights because there's no way. That guy lives heavy weight. Sorry, I digress. But I think it'd be great that if these companies would take you to where they made the product, right. show you how it's made, explain to you the pros and the cons, and then ask you to demonstrate knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And then when it's done, let you return to your place of business where you're now educated on this product. And when people walk in, you're a go-to source on it. Right, but you know that when you work in sales, that is not your job. No. Your job is to get that fucking product in that customer's hand and get their get as much money out of them. You're a pusher. This you, this is let me let me explain to the uninitiated in sales. Just real quick and I'll let you go uh-huh. on that. I want you to think of one thing and everybody think of one thing. 
the same principle of sales today is is a metric that they took from drug dealers. Oh, they did fucking for real. It's pushing a product. When they learned you can make over fifty million in a two week period, right? No, it was fifty million a week. I apologize. When Coke hit, right? And how good it was. Mm-hmm. They asked how they were doing. I actually saw this interview. You know, just just like five minutes of it, wondering what their techniques were. They listened to these smooth ass talkers just talk in circles about how magical this powder was. Right. And they went, and people just never did it before, tried it. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's easy, man. You just tell them what it's going to do and blah, blah, blah. They took, not the drug part, we can sell anything if we get somebody hyper about it. Right. If we get them fancied right. by the idea of owning it. And I'm sorry, going We We hype them. Yeah. But one of the things that they tell you, and I'm sure this is universal for all sales jobs, a customer has money in his pocket right? And that's just your money. They're just not aware it's your money yet. When you have a customer that comes in, you're instructed not to leave any money on the table. You, they want you to push every single thing. And if you don't, that's a defect in you. So your job is literally to devise ways using different techniques that they teach you to manipulate that customer out of that money. Yep. And I can tell you matter of factly, in the 10 years I sold cell phones, there, there have been probably thousands of people who I've had to convince that they need something. They need it. Yep. It is imperative for them to have it. And if they don't have it, there's something defective about them. <laughs> you know, whether it's the newest phone, whether it's the insurance, whether it's, look, you're going to need this tablet. The biggest fucking sham in, in the history of fucking technology is a fucking tablet. It's a fucking sham. And it's a sham because it's something that you need to have, but you don't really need it. If you have a laptop, that's cool. That that suits your needs. If you have a cell phone, that's cool. That suits your needs. And I'm sure you remember this. Like back in the day, the big thing was we want you to take all of your devices and now we just want you to have it in one, right? right? It was all about condensing what you had into one device that's, it's, it's that suited that. all, all that's your needs. That's the great race. It's still that. But But now it's not. If you work in cell phones, now it's you need this because of this. You need this because of this. You need you need your smartphone. You need your tablet. You need your fucking your wireless speaker. You need your headphones. You need all this shit because right. it's all about it's it like they they were like oh you're, shit you're pushing right we painted ourselves into a corner. Now we're gonna lose out on all these other fucking potential devices that we can sell, well, and the, it the, the outside of that technology as a whole. When you look at it, they do want you to have a mega device. Yeah. But they want your mega device to work across all the channels you already have. At home. Right. They want you to have everything mobile right. ready when you need it. It's right. all about you having a servant, right. an electronic servant that can fetch whatever you need when you yep. need it. That's what it's all about. And when you go home, making an easy transition to still get a hold of the oh, same God. things. I gotta, I gotta, and we're on the cusp of it. I got his. <laughs> and we're on the cusp of it. Continue. Now, uh, to, to kind of to tie it back... Um, we just started talking and I just, okay, cool. Who gives a shit? All right. So <laughs> this, the, this to me, like I, I, I'll, I'll say like this, whether this is the abnormal or the normal doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. Like I, I like being able to have a topic and we discuss that topic, but I think that, uh, us just bullshitting too. I think that's equally viable. Yeah. I don't know one way or the other cause I'm not the audience. Uh, but you know, for me, like whatever, the, I, I thought this was a very good hour and 20 minute conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, like to me, fuck it, who gives a shit, Man. you know, but, uh, yeah. 
so about those um, about selling anyway. Obviously, we're very, very, very negative on it, but we have over between us over forty years, right? Just just digging into it. You know what I mean? That's what we do. That's what we're credited as being amazing at, and that's our thing. And I want to say this in a record: that is not my thing. No, not at all. That has never been my thing. That is not what I'm good. I'm nope. good with people. Yep. I'm good with crowds. Right. I'm good, but I'm I'm awesome at educating. I'm amazing at it. I'm good at delivering speeches because I believe in it. Yep. If I believe in something, you can't stop me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in for it. sure. I'm in it. I'm all about it. And the thing is, is getting me interested. Yep. And normally that's a self discovery, but a lot of times too, it's just you hear something, it's in your head, and you want to yep. check it out. And I like to think that's it for everybody. Yeah. You know, case in point, man, when you took to the school thing, I still say it's one of the most inspirational things I've seen. Just, you know what, you think you're going to, you know, things went bad at Sprint there because they're, they are who they are. And after a decade of service. That, that's, that's to assume that things ever went well at Sprint. I can tell you this. I started under you at Nextel. Yeah. Nextel, uh, you know, whatever, that, that's a long time ago. But I think that as a company, they were a lot more open to their people. But look what happened with Nextel. I got, and it got bought out. Right. Right. But I got but at the time I got shipped out to mm-hmm. learn about Direct Connect. They took me to uh, Nokia wanted to get involved with Direct Connect. They shipped us. It was one of the because it was one of the top ten in the company, they shipped me to Nokia to see what that looked like, the interest in the phone and how Direct Connect works. And we listened to a Nokia think tank talk about the product and whatever. And they, they decided right. not to go with with it. But the fact is they put us there. And they put us there to generate the knowledge to know about it because they cared. Right. Who's going to care about what the people want? And that company knew. It'd yep. be the people on the street. It ain't going to be the guy sitting up in the air conditioning office. Yeah. Ain't going to be that. I don't know. I don't know how deeply I can shit on that company. You know, for like legal purposes, I have no concept of that. But as an employee, it, former employee, as a as a former employee, I don't work for them anymore. And you know, when you work for a company, they're very much against you kind of like speaking about them. That's a good way to get fired. I've already been fired, so I don't really give a fuck. Right. And since I don't have anything, I don't really know what they could fucking potentially sue me over. But it, it was very much a company that they went through a merger like 10 years ago, and that merger did not go well. And they were a company that basically was sitting down at the bottom, and they brought in new upper management, new CEO, and they tried some things, and and you know they want to get the public opinion back up, and that didn't work. And then a Japanese company bought them, and this Japanese company was like, we're going to change everything. But to me, from an employee perspective, it wasn't for the better, and it certainly wasn't in favor of the customer. And and that that's the thing to me as a person. If I'm selling a product, okay. I want my customer to buy my product, but I also want my customer to have some loyalty to me. Correct. But now, I said before, the drug comment, mm-hmm. that's not the only place they learned it from, but I do know that went into their demographic. Well, it has to. For I mean, top, look at the business model. How, how to push it, right? <laughs> right. I want to say that. They've been, uh, the guy from back, I would say the first sales was the first time someone said, you know, you carry a good rock, but have you seen this tar- this rock? Right. That's when sales was invented. Right. I just want to state that. Sorry. Keep going. But, uh, you know, I mean, everything that you do when, you, when you're developing a product, you know, even from a, a podcast or whatever, there is a level of sales to it. Right. But I, I do not have a problem with sales when you as a person take what you're, what you're offering and you go, this is what I have. This is why this product is good. Do you want it? I do think- you want to trade me your money 
for it. I think a salesman should never have to say anything first. Right. You should be there, available. And when a customer walks in and shows interest, they say something to the tune of, you know, I'm in the market looking for such and such. What do you know about this? And yeah. then you have a discussion. Yeah. You just have a discussion. Yep. Because that invites you to share thought. Yep. That invites you to have a talk and to know them. And that's that. But the problem is that doesn't push the number. No, it's not how the capitalist gangbang works, Bob. Doesn't, doesn't that's, push that's, the number. We we have projections. We we have to always be moving forward. If you're not stressed as the employee, then how much stress are you putting on the customer? Are you not growing? Are you not, do you not want to grow? I'm do trying. you not want to get more money? Don't you want to do. make more money? Don't you want a new car? I'm, tr- I'm trying. I can Don't, get a new car. Look, I know you've been wanting that suit. I know you've been wanting that watch. You better sell more. Sell more. And you can do it. Only you can prevent forest fires. Yeah, of course. Fuck you. <laughs> Suck a 10-foot dick. Like, give and me so, a break. And so the whole process is, you know, someone said, you know, I, I actually not someone said, I could see someone saying, well, you guys just seem to be shitting on anything corporate. Yeah, it's not true. No, it's not true, it's but the retail it, model. it is a little bit true. It's, it's the retail model. Yeah, it's not totally true. Most corporate models are pretty awesome. They're pretty uplifting, right? You know, Microsoft started out saying, we want to put a computer in everybody's home and everybody's business worldwide. That's what they wanted to do. Yeah. That's all they wanted to do. They wanted to show you how awesome it is, yeah. but they only wanted you to get it if you felt you had a need, but it was too expensive, blah, blah, blah. Lo and behold, everybody has an end sum. They even take it around their pocket nowadays, right, in terms of tech, in terms of PC and technology. They've established that model. It's it's nailed. And then and then they changed it, right? Now they want you to understand your technology. You know, that's not me saying I will I will go on record saying this. I don't have a problem. I love Microsoft the company. Mm-hmm. I love teaching technology. And I love my I love my job in technology. Mm-hmm. I don't like the retail half. Yeah. I do not like. I do I actually I, I hate. I will use that strong word. Because it teaches us to go to work with people who <laughs> If you ever if you ever come in and you quote unquote have to drink the Kool Aid, mm-hmm. that's not you being you. No, it's not. And, and no. that job, you can't do retail right without drinking Kool Aid because they want you to be cardboard cutouts. Yeah. of this model, but then we'll turn around and say, be the individual you are, but within the parameters. Right, we've but given don't you. be that much of an individual. Right, but within the parameters we've given you. Right, and it's like this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous for any. And if you want to know. If, if you're saying, saying to yourself, I work in retail, it's not that way. Okay. I want you to pay attention when your regional or district manager comes walking in the door next. Anybody above the district manager level, your boss's boss. And I want you to watch what your boss does to your store. And I want you to watch what he does to everyone. Mm-hmm. If you ever had to clean a shelf that you have to clean daily, twice, that's already been cleaned in the morning, because it's part of the cleaning process. Right. <laughs> and the boss is coming in and you find yourself with a rag having to clean it again. Right. For no reason. And, and and really, fucking retail is kind of like a. It, it, I feel like it's a very dying model. Fuck, they, the dude doesn't even own the building. No, he doesn't own the building. No. Doesn't own the company. He, doesn't, no, doesn't own anything in it or about it. No, but if, we're, if anything, he might have some common stock or a little bit of share in the Sachin company. Do you think Nadella or Bill Gates gives a shit about the wood grain that has already been cleaned? No. Whether or not Bob, at that moment when he's no. in it, is cleaning it? No. No, he cares because someone above him says he should care. Right. Someone else above him is dictating what his thoughts, Not the his CEOs emotions, I mentioned, and, but and, and, and his desire. I, right. What I'm saying is when your district manager or your regional director comes in, they don't, they, those aren't their thoughts. They may have convinced themselves that they are, but it's not their fucking business. I feel we're waking, awakening the monster here. And I want to say, I'm happy about it. I just want to state this. I feel as a whole, they've made middle class and lower. Beggars. 
Yeah, absolutely. It means beggars. You're, you're working retail. We have to do it this way. This is the way you got to do it. It's the only way to get it done. Right. And you better do it this way or else. And so we beggars, we don't want to be beggars. So we fight to get these management, any modicum of power we can get yep. that lets us lord over the other beggars so right. that we can say every day we wake up and go to work, mm-hmm. I'm going to the castle where right. I'm the king or I'm the queen or I'm the knight. And I'm going to tell these serfs what they need to be. Clean that table. Organize that again. Right. Straighten it up. Because what do I get? I get an extra scrap of meat. I get an extra bowl of soup. Right. I get uh, a mattress that doesn't have straw. When it should be, hey, everybody, we know the cost of living where you're at, and we want you to be able to support yourself in your own apartment. And we do mean apartment, because if you want a house, you're going to have to do better. Right, because we're trying to build a fucking utopia here. But we want you to have a good community. So by cost of living, you're entry level, but we're going to pay you that. Mm -hmm. So your, your rent is... 1500 a month wherever you're at well we're gonna have to pay you about 50 a year right you're gonna need about that to cover rent and then get you some groceries you're not buying clothes every weekend you're definitely not going out every night but you know that's at least enough to cover your ends and you'll have your need yeah your need is met and now if you go higher that'll match correctly because that's what we care about as a company but here's what we need you to do we're looking to sell this product but we need you to be educated on it so you're gonna have to go to these courses these people will teach it to you and then we're going to put you out in the field. By the way, there should only be one manager in the whole freaking building. You know what he does? <laughs> he makes sure the money that gets put in the back gets put up correctly. And right. he makes sure the building isn't burned down. And he handles all the back of the house stuff, which that is, that goes with it. And if there's a disgruntled com- uh, customer, it's not the problem of the manager. It's not the problem of some other, someone else. If your customer's upset at the company, it's the, your problem right there. Right. And you should handle it because that's where you own the business. If your needs are taken care of financially, if you're supporting yourself and your family on your income from this job, you have job loyalty. And if that company is ran not with this glossy bullshit, bending over backwards, customers always right mentality, but with a mentality that says we're human beings – we want you to do right by the customer, but we also want that customer to realize that you're a person too. Right. We're a part of the community. Right. And if that's if that's reached, you will not have what no, we've been talking about. When you when you as a as an employee have an equal stake in the success of your company and you feel like it is in fact your company, when you feel like you can go, look, I have some issues with how we do things. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with them. When you do that in a normal company, here's what you're met with. If you don't like the way we do things, you're free to find another job. Right. That means to me that you have no concern or value for the people that work for you, for the people that are doing the hardest fucking work that your company is built on. I'm sorry, but when, you, when you're when you in, in an executive level and your job is literally, hey, let's get together in a boardroom and we'll talk and, you know, we'll talk about this and we'll talk about that and then I'll go back to my office and I make fucking half a million dollars a year, you can eat shit. Fuck you. And the thing is, is that talking to these guys, and I've been elbow to elbow with them, watching them walk in, hardest part about their jobs is they're flying away from their family every day. Yeah, that's they're flying fucking horrible. And that's the dra- <laughs> it, it is. Be honest, traveling mm-hmm. sucks. I'm sure it does. I mean... Initially, it must be cool, but after you're doing it for the 15th year, right. it's got to really blow that right. you're always you know, with delays and what have you, sure. and then people need you and your phone's ringing off the hook, and it comes with its own stress, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't, but what I'm saying is is that your stress comes from not addressing the base problem, right? Uh-huh. And if you keep rolling it under the rug, waiting for your next position, doing the bare minimum, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And the problem from corporate to retail, why corporate's better, corporate will not let that behavior happen. We'll not. 
we are the company up here. Mm -hmm. And when you go to retail, they don't care who's at retail. No. Right? Because you're fucking dime a dozen. But they need to. Right. Because if corporate cared who was at retail, they would put someone who goes, all right, here's the deal. Blah. Right. Right? Everything we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And once you have that down here and you take care of those primaries, what you're going to have is well-established. People don't get that when you have a... When you when you turn eighteen, you're not magically an adult and everything's gravy. <laughs> right. Okay, it doesn't. Right. Those eighteen year olds now have to enter the workforce. Well, and it, yeah, and it, for sure, and the, the statistically speaking, we work more and we're more productive now than we ever have been, and there are more people our age living at home with their parents. Right. And but I got a I got a point. That's a different point. But let me let me finish mine. What I mean by eighteen is that when you go to work, you're actually learning from other adults how to work in the world. Right. You're actually learning from them how to get it done. And these people come to you with misgivings. You know what I mean? Right. In my home, I was told I was blah, 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 blah. You got to get this job. You got to do some things. But they never told me about what it's like to care for a home or what I'm going to have to do when there's flooding or something. You know, none of this matters. So who do you ask? Your coworkers. Yeah. That's who you're going to ask. And when you ask your coworkers, you're not dealing with other adults who are talking to you about a non-work problem. And it's going to happen. Right. Now, do you want to foster these relationships where someone's like going, all right, you have a problem at home. How can I help you? And later on, when I want a Friday offer to get something done, how can I leverage that to my advantage? Yeah, that, well, that's absolutely the, the environment that's created in most workplaces, especially like a retail level or something similar. You do not create – You a company's goal does not seem to be – and this is most companies, not a universal. Maybe some are different. Yep. But you – your goal is to foster an environment of competitiveness. Oh, yeah. You don't want a community because when you have people communing together and they start sharing ideas and start realizing the shit that they go through, you know, they tell you when you start with a company, especially with a major corporation, they tell you, you don't ever talk about how much money you make. You don't talk about this. You don't talk about that. Why? Because if I tell you, hey, Bob, you know, I just got hired and I'm making uh, five cents less an hour than you do and you've been here for three years, you're going to go, that's fucking unfair. Right. Now, if you have a whole store of that, if you have a store that's got 30 people and 30 people are going, wow, there's a massive income inequality here. What are they going to do? They're going to start going, well, we need to address this because now, you know, there's no reason as a manager I should be making this much money. I've been here this long. That doesn't seem fair. Oh, well, now you have a whole workforce of people who are going to go, hey, if you don't address this, we're walking. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right. And no company wants that. The whole goal of that, that company, excuse me, I don't even think it's of the company. The whole, the whole goal of the middle management is to show how pro- productive they are, how profitable mm-hmm. they are. Right. And the only way they can do that is if they squeeze the nickel to the buffalo screens. Right. That's the only way. And how do they do that? They'll squeeze out everything around them. Yep. Absolutely, out of everything. Right, around. And, and but and and to further what you were saying before, you know, your your goal when you're down here is to get up here to get right. that benefit. And how do you get to this point? Well, you don't get it by, you know, having your fellow employees back. You get it by walking on their back. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to talk about this without naming a name. But this individual, this man, made it through his life. He's very charismatic, good-looking guy, um, Hispanic guy, you know, well-to-do, native of Chicago does his thing in retail and he learns he's good at it he likes it and he starts you know sacking groceries ends up selling electronics ends up in management and the first company he works for um does knocks it out the park right 
And it, or excuse me, it wasn't even, sorry, it wasn't even retail electronics where like he wanted. Keep talking, Bob. I'm yeah. going to go pee pee real quick. The first one he gets to, he ends up going to, I believe, like Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. And uh, he's managing and he's doing his thing. And I know the company. I'm just not going to make it obvious. And uh, he, he likes the management half of it. Now, while he's in management, what he doesn't realize is that uh, the people around him, he kind of kind of squashed over him to get there. You know, he didn't care about what his coworkers thought or anything like that. Him being a manager was all about him. And I think that's fair, and I think it's fine. There has to be a level of selfishness to take care of yourself, hence why you are working, hence why it's a job. Not, not just, I'm not ruining that, but to finish the tale, he gets his taste of power in management. Then he decides he wants to make more money, and he looks around, and you're entitled, and that's fine. And he learns that, hey, this company's hiring, but you can't start management immediately, at least not store manager. How about you be the assistant? And he goes to work for this place, and it's Apple, and he's dealing with them, and Apple's an amazing company. Apple is a technology company that's been around for a hot minute. We'll say a bit specialty because their brand's the only brand, according to them, which is fine. And they do well with it. Now, while he's there, he decides that, okay, I'm going to make a name for myself and figure out how all these management techniques are going on. And so he builds these relationships with everybody around him. And what he does is, is he becomes their friend, their work friend, through having non-work conversations on the work floor. And they talk about some pretty off-color things, right? But then he learns about their life, and he becomes this friend, right? This this empathetic, sympathetic friend who they could always talk to. And then he listens for key points where they make mistakes. Then he turns around and uses it to his advantage. He did his ASM. He gets bumped up. He's now a store manager of a different store, but in the same company. Right. Then he sets his old eyes on a particular rich area in the neighborhood, and uh, flips it around and ends up working for uh, the competitor uh, to to Apple. Right. He bounces. He goes. There to... was nothing wrong with Apple and where he was and the pay he got, and he was climbing up just fine, but wasn't at the bracket he wanted. He wants to be at corporate, but he doesn't want to go back to school. Right. He doesn't want to go back and earn it that way. He wants to kind of get through it. He wants to cut throats. Exactly. And so, but he wants to do it behind a veil of, oh, I'm a super nice guy. I care about everybody, and this is fine. This is what we got to do. Right. Because he's a piece of shit. Right. And (laughs) And so when you turn around, you work for someone like that. Like, I mean, I look... I've looked this dude up, mm-hmm. top down, and on paper, there are people <laughs> who sing his praises. Then I found a couple people who didn't, but they did it in a way where you had to read between the lines. Right. You know, hey, it's great that you moved on in the world, but, you know, be careful about this, and you do have a tendency to do that, and blah. Okay, good, good on you, good on you. And I'm sitting here, and I think about it all, and I'm like, if you called those people and talked to them, what would they really say? Right. What would it be? And I was like, I know what they would say. Or if you threw a few beers in them. Right. And the fact is... Someone will tell me, I've had, it's been told to me, Bob, why do you care? And it's because I don't want to be manipulated. No. I was, I was telling my doctor, because, you know, we don't, funny enough, we have a doctor appointment, but in the course of me getting medicine and shots, you, you chew the fat. And as we're talking, he's like, you know, telling me about the biz. And I'm telling him, and he goes, man, how do you deal with that corporate bullshit? And I was like, going, <laughs> let me explain something to you. I don't. You know, I don't know what happened. It was like one day I turned around and the workforce came about, this ridiculous, spineless, quivering bullshit yeah. where, where we don't take the blame for anything. We pass it off on everyone else. And if we don't meet our deadlines, it wasn't my fault. And now I can cry and complain and do whatever. And if I'm up here, I'm your new mother and father, not your boss. I'm your new mother and father. And as long as I whine and complain to you in private and cry, then I can keep my job, but you're never going to promote me because now you own me. Right. You've seen how I'm going to operate under those circumstances. And I only look at this. Why I care about that guy 
That's his management style. That's not a management style. No. That's not a business. No. Right? And when you think of the psychological damage, the just the, so- the society damage he does in his own building to his own business, it's ridiculous. And it's the people he gathers to his bosom that becomes his right and left hands. Right. And then, you know, the, like you were talking about before where, you know, you're, you're a younger person and, and the people that you work with or the management uh, that you have – becomes like your your focal point because you're learning from them yep. and you learn that this oh well it works for him that's what I should do I should also uh you know crush my own soul play the game and and fuck other people to get ahead and and that that's a fucking I think at the heart of it that's a major fucking problem with our country and our culture my mom may hear this podcast mm-hmm. may, and I apologize mom only because you told this to me for years I disagree. I think it's bullshit. I don't know who convinced you or anybody, any other adult in any era, when someone says, you know, um, just play the game. You can't do anything about it. Just play the game. That is the language of the defeated. Yeah. That is the language of those who lived under the lash and can no longer look their master in the face. I have no master, and I take a knee to no one. And I think that should be everybody. That's not unique to me. No. It should be everyone. It should. It should. We should never accept soul dead conformity. I will never give you a half-assed job or a half-assed performance, and don't expect me to receive one. That's my management style. If there's difficulty, I'm your team player. I'm there to help you succeed. You worked for me. You know I'm that way. If you if you're doing great, I will give you every praise in the world and stand away from your success. I've had people tell me, you. Uh, I had this guy John. One man for obvious reasons. We'll mention his last name. Um, explode up in a company early on after teaching with I taught him taught him mm-hmm. for three months and they want him in corporate he's young has the right tools did amazing never did retail before in his life I worked with him I showed him what he had to do and none of it was drama in fact I warned him against it do not fall into what this says right love your job love what you do but love this Love every customer that comes in the door. They will build relationships with you in return. You will see that in the bottom dollar. Or you will see it in letters and what have you. And he got both. Uh-huh. Hand over fist. I stood back from that when everybody said he did amazing and gave him his praise. One guy, the guy who taught me, walked up to me and goes, you know how I know you're good and you're going to do okay? He's like, what? Him. There are others, Bob. You, you do a good job. I never tell you that. Because, and, and to him, it's just the way he is. You know, To him, if I give you praise all the time, you'll never appreciate it when it's given. Uh-huh. I respect him for that, and I believe it. But I'm a guy who gives praise because I believe in positive re- reinforcement. But yeah. I digress. But the point is, my non-you-will-not-defeat-me mentality, I know that's me because it hasn't changed. Right. No matter the circumstance. You haven't broken me. You haven't destroyed me. I haven't taken my own life. I haven't harmed anyone <laughs> else. Right? None of that bullshit you think would happen if that happened. But it's to me, service is not its own reward. No. If I give you my time, if I give you my efforts to go and and be a part of your team, that's team is a team. Yep. We're all equal and have different responsibilities working towards the same goal. And if you are the head of that team, i.e. the boss, you need to understand that you're out here with us. And when you're out here with us, our problems are your problems, no matter what they may be. And when you handle them, you handle them dispassionately, i.e. don't take it personal. Right. And you handle it in a way that could be objective. But if it's not stated very plainly, I don't feel this is a problem at work and this is why. Do you feel it might be a problem for work? Give me an option to tell you why it might relate to your business and then handle your business. Right. Doesn't happen. Nope. Doesn't happen. No, it certainly doesn't. 
And I've been told this before. Hey, Bob, you should start your own business. I think you'd be very well. I think that's the only way you're going to get along in life is if you, you're the boss. And I think people would love working for you. I think everyone's right. But why don't you look at our economy? <laughs> you know, it's not me being a jerk about it, too. It's one of those things where that's one of those nice things you say when you feel someone's right. But you also know the majority doesn't agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Well, that's a, that's a good conversation, man. Yeah, absolutely. We should have more like it. <laughs> yeah, we should. Something. Uh, well, that was a fucking quick almost two hours. So um, anything anything else you'd like to add, Mon Frere? Uh, yeah, the new Destiny, <laughs> um, the Taken King, the expansion is worth the money. I think it changed a lot of things in Destiny to make it amazing. It looks it's, a lot cooler. I haven't played it yet. It's it's awesome. Yeah. The, the whole changes, I know we've already been in for two hours. <laughs> so, so that's good. Yeah, get it. Um, yeah, Mad Max, fantastic game. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to play. Right, I like driving. I, I picked it up. Stuff. It's it the good. first video game I've picked up uh, since um, since like April. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun to drive around and beat people up. And uh, I don't know, man. Did you have any Chrome. interesting a, experiences with it or anything? I had some amazing. I smashed a lot of things. I yeah. blew up people and I ran over a guy or two. Yeah. Smoothly. More yeah. than a guy or two. Like 600 and something according yeah. to the score. Yes. I have like a mass murderer in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's fun. what you need to do in the post-apocalypse uh, outback or wherever the game takes place. <laughs> uh, but also, you should probably make sure that there aren't any like crazy glitches that prevent the game from being finished yeah be very careful about that autosave you can end up doing everything in the game to max out except one thing and if the game doesn't load right you can't progress further and your whole game will be tanked so i will never know what it's like to beat mad max but i've maxed out everything i'm right at the point to do it yeah yeah that's the son of a bitch um wb yeah fucking garbage oh you know but other than that it was a pretty fun game Oh, and if you tried Neverwinter Nights, Neverwinter Nights, Neverwinter, yeah, the MMO that's free on uh, X1, Xbox, Xbox, Xbox One. One. Sorry, I don't know why <laughs> on that fucking thing there. drifted. Yeah, over there <laughs> we're looking at. Um, if you tried on there and did it before, and we're like, ah, oh, it's limited and stopped at level sixty. They changed that. The cap goes up to seventy. They also made available what was on the computer. Also, is now available on Xbox One, and it opened up quite a bit. It's fantastic endgame content. You will not be done with it in a week. You will probably not be done with it in two months. Uh, so extending it that much is pretty fantastic. And that's one of those games that I can attest. Having one character is never enough. There's many other facets of it. And if you're a fan of fantasy and you're a fan of D&D, that's why you should get it and give it a second chance. Yeah, there's also a new expansion out for uh, Elder Scrolls Online, Yeah. Uh, which I also have not gotten around to getting. I don't have the, uh, the Tamriel Unlimited, uh, like whatever the monthly cost thing is. I'm just a fucking one and done type of guy. But um, I only have three more months left of school, so hopefully my video game input will increase exponentially after that. Yep. Um but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it will. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. There's all kinds of new stuff. But that's what the whole point of this podcast was going to be. But our other conversation was totally more fulfilling. We were, we were more passionate about that than that. But that's, uh, that's the new stuff. It's good. Um, this was nerd words coming from the adult language, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nerd so, words in reverse. Perhaps a slightly revolutionary mindset on this podcast. Um, you know, <laughs> hey, if you enjoyed it, let us know. If you were like, what the fuck, I don't give a shit about that, let us know that too. And, you know, 
maybe we'll uh you know we'll do more if it's a good reaction we'll do less if it's a bad reaction <laughs> yeah so you know this one was totally seat of our pants and i think all things considered it went well so very well all right uh without further ado we're about to hit the two hour mark enjoy thank you for listening uh standard typical things yeah find us on uh itunes find us on stitcher find us on my website utilitymuffinlabs.com share it uh you know like it uh (laughs) you know all that stuff so uh other than that unless you got anything else to add fucking pimp yeah uh remain nubile other than that peace out (laughs) enjoy have a good one (laughs) remain nubile this is the central monster